You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone, I'm very excited to bring you Nathan Berry today. He's the founder and CEO at ConvertKit, which is, well, I don't want to just call it email marketing software for creators. I think it's more than that. So I'm going to let Nathan better explain kind of in his own words. And ConvertKit, they've been doing well. I mean, uh, Nathan, how long has this journey been? You started what? Was it seven, eight years ago? Yeah, seven years ago. Got it. Cool. So Nathan, first off, welcome to the show. And uh, I guess in your own words, I'd love to hear a little more about kind of what your story is. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so ConvertKit is probably still officially email marketing for creators. So we're expanding beyond that now that we've got, you know, opt-in forms and landing pages and, you know, all of that. So ultimately what we're building is the easiest way for creators to build their audience online and then ultimately earn a living online. Got it. Okay. And for ConvertKit, I guess for people that know your journey, I mean, before ConvertKit, what were you doing? Yeah, so my background is as a designer. So software design, user experience, all of that. I was building iPhone and iPad apps when the iPad first came out. So that was a fun project to like design an iPad app before ever actually holding an iPad. And then from there I transitioned, you know, I was always a fan of like the blogging content creation world. I followed a lot of bloggers um, like Chris Gillivo and Tim Ferriss and plenty of people back in the day. And so I decided to start a blog about designing iPhone applications and ended up writing a book from there you know, self-published a book called the app design handbook. It did super well, even to a tiny audience, like an an email list of 800 people on MailChimp. And with that, I started to realize, wait, email marketing works really well. And everyone out there is telling me social media is where that, right? Like, you know, market on Twitter and Facebook. And I guess Instagram was starting to be more popular around that time. And so that's where everyone was saying you should pay attention. But then like all the numbers were saying that email was the place to go. And I started talking to like more veteran marketers and they're like, yeah, we've known email is incredible forever. Welcome to the, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the club. We've, we've been doing this since 2002, you know, like good job. And somewhere in that, I started getting obsessed with like email marketing best practices. So, you know, lead magnets and tagging and segmentation and all this stuff. And I was just hacking around MailChimp to try to make all these best practices work. And that's when I decided, okay, my background's in software design. You know, I know all these best practices. Can I combine these things and build the email marketing tool that I want that has the best practices built in by default? And that's how ConvertKit was started in January 2013. Wow. And I think the, for lack of a better word, the courses or the info products that you had before, you were doing a couple hundred grand a year, right? It was pretty good money. Yeah. You know, the the first book launch that I did did I was hoping to do 10 grand ever on the book, right? Because I had no <laughs> audience. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I did 12 grand on the first day. And I went, huh, okay, there's something to this. You know, why didn't anybody tell me you could do this? And so I think the first three months of doing all that, I'd sold 70 or 80 grand of digital products and and I was hooked. Um, and so then, yeah, the next couple of years, I think I did about average between 200 and 250,000 a year. Got it. And so what was going on through your head? I mean, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm catching on to this email thing. And you know, I have the decision between info versus creating the SaaS product. And I'm assuming it's your first SaaS product. Yes. Yeah. First SaaS. I definitely done a lot of projects before, you know, I, I had four or five iPhone apps in the app store of varying levels of success. And, you know, but yeah, it was the first SaaS product I'd built for myself. Okay. And so were you juggling both projects? Or were you just like, I'm going to shut one down and then go all in on SaaS? Like, what was it like? Because I'm, I'm sure people are wondering right now, like, man, 250 grand's a lot. I think I just, you know, coast on that. Yeah. Um, I was juggling both. You know, I'm always looking for the next challenge. 
I don't know. It sounds kind of cliche, but I think I actually probably get myself in trouble doing that of like always diving into, you know, something's working and I'm like, cool, but I'm already on to the next thing. And so the eBooks and courses working really well, but I was immediately like, okay, now let's start a SaaS company because I want recurring revenue. And so I, I spent about a year and a half, almost two years juggling both the eBook course business and running ConvertKit. And honestly, I'm not good at it. You talk to these people and they say like, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur oh, you only have one business? Like I have 11, you know? <laughs> and people <laughs> kind of brag about that kind it's of thing. the internet marketers, dude. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was thinking that's what you do, right? You run multiple businesses and you build things up and you're supposed to automate it and then it's passive and I don't know, whatever else. And I'm just bad at it. And so actually it was uh, Heat and Shaw at a conference one time who pulled me aside and said like, hey, um, this isn't working. You're a couple years into running ConvertKit. You're at 1500 bucks a month in MRR. How many years were you into it when he said that? Um, I was 18 months in. Okay. And so he just said like, you should shut it down. You've been successful with books and courses. You'll be successful with some other project. It's not working here. Shut it down and move on. Um, yeah. And he let me sit with that for a minute. Yeah. And then he followed it up and said, or you can take it seriously and give it the time, money and attention it deserves and like build it into a real business. Mm. But like, trying to do both and half-ass these two things is not working for you. So, you know, shut it down or double down, like do something different. And that was an important moment because that's kind of giving me permission to like, hey, you don't have to play this entrepreneur game and try to juggle everything. It took me another six months before I took that advice seriously and actually acted on it. And then just like didn't spend another minute on the course and blog business and went all in on ConvertKit. And then we, you know, chipped away at the growth from there. Got it. So at the time, it's not really MRR, but let's say monthly, you were making about 20 grand a month or so from your courses, right? Yeah. Um, and then ConvertKit was doing 1500. So when you decided to shut it down, that 20 grand just disappears, right? So how did you kind of make ends meet? Because 1500, I'm assuming you're pouring it back into the business. Yeah. So 20 grand didn't disappear right away. Mm -hmm. and, and I was probably doing 12 grand a month or so on like the baseline. Because the other money would come from like big launches because it's a very launch driven business on the books and courses side. If I like didn't do any major promotion or something, it would hit 10 to 12 grand a month. Uh, and then you have a spike of 30 or 40 with a launch. Cool. So, so you stopped stop maintaining it. Yeah. My thinking was great. These sales are just coming in from the traffic that the site's getting. You know, it'll coast along and I'll keep getting that. And maybe it'll drop to like seven grand or eight grand a month, but it'll keep getting it. It dropped off fairly quickly, like way faster than I expected. Turns out I didn't have this amazing passive income business. Instead, what I had was like the active blogging and promotion and community stuff that I was doing is what was driving a lot of the sales. And so it dropped down to three, 4,000 pretty quickly and then 2,000 not too long after that. So I started living off of savings. I pulled all of our money out of our Wealthfront account and you know used that to pay the mortgage and, and go from there. And then yeah, all of ConvertKit's money was just getting poured back into growth. Got it. So at the time, let's see the come to Jesus moment, quote unquote, you know, six months after that, uh, ConvertKit is doing 1500 a month. How long did it take you to, once you put in the focus on it to get it to, let's say 10 grand a month MRR? Yeah. So basically January, when would this be? January, 2015. So the two year mark, I'd gotten it up to 2000 a month. And that was not long after kind of going all in. And then by May, it was 5,000 a month. Um, June was 10,000 a month, you know, and then kind of July, August, we were into 15. Actually, we went from 10,000 to 15,000 a month in a day because we got three big accounts that all signed up in the same day. And I went, whoa, wow. 
okay, this is crazy. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, we're at a hundred thousand a month. We're just wow. shy. We're at ninety eight thousand a month. I remember because I was annoyed that I couldn't pull off an even one hundred. <laughs> but yeah, so we grew from two thousand to ninety eight thousand in MRR in twelve months. And what do you think was, I mean, obviously the focus, right? But was there any moment where it's like, oh, you talked to this influencer or like, you know, was it the focus? Like, what do you think was the main driver to get you to 98? Yeah. So there were a couple of things. One, the focus on the market made a big difference. So we decided to go all in on professional bloggers and that gave us a list of, you know, you could write all the marketing copy just for them. You could build features just for them. And so that was a great differentiator. And the next thing is, you know, I could make lists of professional bloggers and professional paleo recipe bloggers, professional men's fashion bloggers, like every category, and then I could do direct sales. And so that first 15 grand in MRR all came from direct sales. And then about that 15 to 20 grand mark, like I noticed the sales starting to get easier because people be like, oh, I've heard of ConvertKit or so-and-so yeah. uses it. And that makes a difference. Pat Flynn was one of those accounts that signed up in that July timeframe. And he didn't start talking about us for another couple months. And so, you know, I think he was paying us a thousand dollars or 1500 a month for his email services. And so that was a nice MRR boost. But then, you know, come September, October timeframe, we're doing 25,000, 22,000 a month, something like that. And he started dropping hints of what email tool he was using or people were figuring it out. And then later on, you know, he wrote a blog post brilliantly titled why I switched from Aweber to Infusionsoft to ConvertKit. Yeah. And that headline, we made so much money off of that headline because if you'd gone from Aweber to ConvertKit, yeah. you know, at the time everyone would have said like, oh, but you didn't use like the grown up tools of Infusionsoft. Right. You know? And so everyone could have always said that. And so because he had taken that path, he could say like, no, I did use Infusionsoft and ConvertKit's better. Because at the time Infusionsoft was like the, the one. Competition. Not anymore though. <laughs> no, it's funny how things change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. So what can you share around, well, A, just so people get a better handle on it, how do you guys make money? Yeah, so we're a subscription business. Um, we charge based on the number of subscribers in your account. So it starts at $29 a month, or I guess now it starts at free. Uh, but for a long time, yeah. it started at $29 a month, you know, for up to a thousand subscribers and it grows from there. So then the small creators are doing that. And then the large creators who we have, like authors like Gretchen Rubin and Tim Ferriss, Neil Patel, who else? Oh, he loves <laughs> They pay in the thousands a month. That's awesome. And what kind of numbers can you share around the business? Because I'm looking at your Indie Hackers uh, AMA from two years ago. Two years ago, you're at 10 million ARR. Uh, how are you guys doing today? What kind of numbers can you share around the business? Yeah, so we're transparent with everything. So convertkit.bearmetrics.com has all our numbers updated in real time. Um, so we're at 20 million ARR. So we've doubled the business in the last two years. Um, I'm trying to think what else, 28,000 paying customers, um, You know, $60 average revenue per user. Wow. I'm looking at the, the bear metrics right now. You guys definitely convertkit.bearmetrics.com. Check it out. Thank you for being transparent. And then I do want to talk about kind of ultimately freemium. I do want to talk about the mission as well. Before we talk about that, someone asked about how you get your early customers, right? So you, you put in two answers here. You said first you've used built with and then you like scrape the web. And I think a lot of people do that already. Um, yep. And that's always like limited results, right? But the second thing is intriguing to me. You talked about making lists, which is what you said earlier, where you might target email marketing for uh, paleo recipe bloggers, right? Who are women. Um, and you, you did that through a mix of Google searches and Twitter. So what exactly did you do there? Cause I'm sure a lot of people want to, you know, creative ways to grow through sales. Yeah. So the first thing that you have to do is decide who exactly you're targeting. 
because I was doing like it's email marketing for you know people who need email marketing and it, it was terrible messaging and it just it didn't work it was so broad right. so if you zero in on exactly who you want to serve it makes a huge difference so what I did is I looked at okay who are our most successful customers and realized okay I wanted to go after like these professional bloggers and I started to look at who we already had and we happened to have a decently popular paleo recipe blog and a decently popular men's fashion blog. And so I thought, okay, let me draw a slightly larger circle around those two groups. So who do they know? I'm not going to be able to compete with MailChimp overall, but in this one tiny little space, I can create this echo chamber. Mm. And so what I did is started looking at who these people follow on Twitter, doing Google searches for similar things. It was still when blog rolls were a little bit of a thing. So you could like go on someone's site and in the sidebar link to like their five blogging friends. So, you know, you start to put all this together into a spreadsheet and also Twitter would do a good job. If you followed somebody, it would give you like five recommendations of who else to follow. Mm-hmm. And two of them would be like Barack Obama and I don't know, Will Smith. But then the other three would be someone who was actually like that person, you know, another paleo recipe blogger or something. I would do that and put them in the spreadsheets and and then actually follow these people and see who they retweeted and everything. And then it was a matter of having this list of say 25 people in a narrow niche that I was going after and then just trying to get intros, reading their blogs, finding the comments, favoriting stuff on Twitter, that kind of thing. So that when I did actually send an email, chances are they would have seen my name, you know, maybe pop up two or three times over the last month. And they, they were a lot more likely to respond. And then the email that I'd send was just like, hey, you know, I noticed that you're using MailChimp for your blog. And I want to know if there's anything that frustrates you about that experience. Uh, the reason I ask is I started a company called ConvertKit to do email marketing for bloggers. And I'm, you know, just trying to do some research and understand uh, what development or solving. Kind of the magic of that email is keeping it super, super short. If you write me a long sales email, I'm like 98% certain you just copied and pasted it. And so if a really short email has this like, oh, it's likely to be personal I'd also name drop the most relevant people. So if I was emailing a paleo recipe blogger, I had right a person that they knew or at least knew of to name drop. So it didn't have to be the biggest name in the space. You know, you didn't have to name drop Neil Patel. Mm-hmm. You know, you can name drop somebody that they actually know. And that works well, you know, before you have these big names. And then they'd respond of like certain frustrations that they had. And then I'd try to from there get on a call and understand it more. And then yeah. be like, oh, actually that's why I created ConvertKit. Just to be clear, I might have missed this a little early. So you might, let's say you you find them on Twitter, you might um, follow, maybe you might retweet some of their things just to build kind of like a light connection. And then you'll find their email address and then you'll email them with a customer development question saying, hey, look, I'd just like to know your frustrations um, as a MailChimp user. Once you get them to respond, then you ask for the call because then they've taken an action already and you're more likely to get them on a call that way. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I usually wouldn't retweet things that they said. It'd be more like favoriting, replying mm-hmm. to a tweet or um, dropping comments on their posts, maybe replying mm-hmm. to an email. Things that you would do as a fan yeah. of enjoying their content. Because I noticed that myself as I wrote my own posts. There'd be people who would send me an email and ask for help. And I wouldn't, I didn't know them, but I recognized their name. Mm-hmm. Later, I'd go back and look it up and be like, oh, that's because they've been a part of my community you know, right. for a while. And so there's like that little thing that goes from like, I don't know, you this is cold email from nowhere to like, I don't know you, but I recognize you. Right. Makes total sense. Yeah. I, actually, I look at that a lot too. When I go to Twitter, I'm usually reading and saving stuff, but I'll go to the mentions or I'll go to the part where people favorite stuff and I kind of quote unquote know them. So that makes sense. Yep. Cool. All right. So let's talk about you guys decided to make the switch because earlier you alluded to switching to freemium. I mean, why and 
what do you expect from it? Yeah, so there's a couple reasons. One, there's some business metrics reasons, and then there's also mission and vision. So we'll start with mission and vision and then go into the tactics. The biggest thing is ConvertKit as a company exists to help creators earn a living. And that's something that growing up the way that I did, money was super, super tight. I watched my parents largely divorce over fights over money. And so my solution for that was, okay, I'm going to get really good at making money. So that's not a stress point in you know my family, my marriage, et cetera. And so a lot of my passion is around making that easier for other people. And so that's a lot of what's behind when we say we exist to help creators earn a living. Like it's a deeply personal thing for a lot of us. And so we've always had this more premium product right? Where, you know, MailChimp has a free plan. We don't. We've carved out our niche of like more serious marketers. Grow your list on on, uh, MailChimp, like get started there. And then when you're serious and you have traction, come over to us. And that worked well. But from a mission perspective, building an audience as a creator is incredibly hard. And we were putting more roadblocks in there where we're saying, start on one tool. And then when you get success, switch to another, which is a pain. And, you know, I honestly believe we have a better tool. And so it was like, okay, let's take a step back and say, now that we have 20 million ARR, we can afford to support free users. That's not a risk. And so let's put that and say, okay, all creators, not just creators who have 29 bucks a month to spend can start on ConvertKit. Just start on one platform, grow from there. It's one less thing to worry about. Um, So that's the mission side. And then on the kind of the business metric side, there's a couple of things. One you know, there's just a huge amount of potential in the industry. It's massive. MailChimp's growing like crazy. We're growing like crazy in a tiny fraction of their size. And free plays a huge role. So we see much cheaper growth channels with free and, and we want to try that out. But also we were seeing decently high churn on our $29 a month plan where people were canceling because either they're saying it's too expensive or they're not ready. So people would sign up through, you know, a webinar that we did or hear about us on a podcast or something. And they'd be like, yeah, I want to be a creator and then go sign up and Mm. you know, pay for a couple of months and they realize it's actually really hard to grow an email list. And so because they're paying every month then they would end up canceling and then say maybe six months or a year later when they're ready to try again, it's a new decision of what tool should I use? And by switching to free, we can say, Hey, grow your list at your own pace, use our landing pages, get started. And then once you get traction, you can switch to paid. And so there's never this cancellation decision because basically to put some real churn numbers in it, we have net negative churn on every plan except mm. for our $29 a month plan, which has 12% monthly churn. And oh, so wow. when you average that out, you end up at like 4.5% monthly revenue churn. But almost all of it you know, is coming from the beginner plans. And so we're like, okay, if we can start people on free and then grow them as they're successful, that'll solve a major churn problem, be better for our customers, and hopefully really help with growth. And when did you open the freemium option? Six weeks ago. So January 1st, 2020. Got it. So if people are looking at the, the bare metrics, I guess over time, you're not going to see the effect. I'm looking at revenue churn right now, or maybe you can look at user churn. But I mean, this should really start to take effect maybe over the next year, six to 12 months or so, correct? Yeah, I think about the 90 day mark is where we're really going to start to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, like see the trend start. Yeah. Um, and then over the next year, I mean, my goal is to get to net negative revenue churn uh, across the whole business um, this year. And I, I think free will play a big role in it. So Got honestly, it. yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense because I told a story on the marketing school podcast, but I was sitting at a conference with the uh, HubSpot kind of APAC general manager. And he said the entire company 
So HubSpot, the CRM publicly traded company now, they were against switching to freemium, but the executives decided like 99.5% of the company, but executives decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to go with it. And they just kind of took off from there. And you look at what uh, Neil's done with Uber suggest or people in SaaS call it product led growth air quotes. Yeah. Um, but it just makes sense. Cause you know, these other big channels, like the Facebooks, the Googles of the world are just getting more expensive. So how do you defend against it? I think it's to have a really good free product. And then if people are ready to upgrade, they're ready to upgrade. Right. Yeah. And then that's the idea. And, you know, I feel like we're trying to obsessively learn everything we can about product led growth and it's fun being able to iterate on each of these channels and really what you're coming back to at each point, you're like, you dig into something and you're like, Oh, there's a problem here and dig deeper. And and the answer is like, Oh, we'll make the product better in this, in this area. And like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty great conclusion to always come back to is like, Oh, yep. Yep. That was, there's a friction point there. That's frustrating. That feature really should exist or whatever. Make the product better. Yep. It's just all about simplifying at the end of the day. Yeah. Cool. So working towards wrapping up here, you, you just mentioned uh, webinars and podcasts. So we're doing a podcast right now. You're a CEO times money, right? So I'm just wondering how well do webinars and podcasts do for you right now? So two questions. Webinars were really important for us in growing the business as we did a lot of influencer and affiliate marketing you know, especially in our space, right? If you have a blogger as a customer, they're like, great, I love you. Let me tell 10,000 of my friends, you know, which if you're targeting traditional small businesses, they're like, let me tell two of my friends. So that was really good. But what happened was the affiliates didn't have a reason, like an event or something to promote. They're just like, yeah, you know, I'll add you to the resources page or something like that. And that didn't result in a big spike. That's like a slow burn of traffic, which we want. But the webinar gave the opportunity to create an event and that, you know, it could send emails about and promote. And so that ended up being something really big where it wasn't just everyone who signed up for the webinar, but also the billboard effect from it. Because often our customers were affiliates. So like we did this webinar and everything with a guy named Chris Gillibo, who I followed for a long time and he's a customer now you know, his audience is a lot of authors and bloggers. And so, you know, doing this webinar with them, it gives him an opportunity to announce to all of them, oh, I use ConvertKit and you should too, basically. And it has this billboard effect that we don't count on because, right, we tend to be direct marketers. We want to attribute everything. And I talked to this famous author. She signed up for ConvertKit, was using us. And I was like, oh, how'd you hear about us? And she's like, I don't know, just a bunch of people are using you guys and it seemed like the right mm-hmm. time. And I kept trying to dig in. It was like, yeah, but who? And she's like, I don't know, it's just like in the industry and... Okay, but there has to be somebody and we couldn't come to it. And I realized that she was good friends with Chris Gillibo and he had done a webinar, you know, a month earlier that she had not attended and she wasn't in any of those signups, but she'd gotten (laughs) emails about it. And so it was like the webinar had this billboard effect as well as all the marketing that you could actually attribute. And so I think that's what makes webinars so special is not necessarily even just the the format of the event, Mm -hmm. but also it gives a reason to talk about it. Like it gives us a vent to talk about a lot. So, and you guys still do it, right? We do. Yeah. Is it we, your own or is it partner webinars or both? Uh, we do both. We've shifted now. We used to be almost exclusively partner webinars. And now I think we do half and half. We still love them. You know, any excuse to get on uh, and even do a call for 50 people or something like you get to demo the product and that's great. Especially we've had a few different incredible webinar producers on our team. And so now that I'm not doing them anymore, it makes me really happy. And it lets me spread the brand around to different people. Um, so that ConvertKit is not just Nathan, because that's yeah. something that's important to me is to build a much bigger brand than just like the Nathan Berry show or whatever. It's hard, right? Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, to answer your question about podcasts, 
Another really important thing for us is storytelling. Like I want you to buy ConvertKit not just because it's the best tool for your business or the best fit or something like that, but I want you to buy because of the team and the story and who we are and what we're building. And you just can't convey that very well on a marketing site. Like you can't, you can get to some of it, but you know, there's other channels that work way better. Like we run our own conference. We put out a vlog for each one of our team retreats. So you can see behind the scenes, but the best way is really podcasts of like in 30 minutes, 40 minutes, we can sit down and you can feel like, okay, I understand why they make decisions that way. And I can buy into the journey that they're on or their mission. And then when it comes down to like, oh, should I use ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or ConvertKit or Infusionsoft? There's a brand that you connect to in one of them and, and the other you might not. And the podcasts are absolutely critical for that. Got it. So how many podcasts do you think you do as a founder each month? Um, I haven't done as many recently. I just had a kid a couple... Congrats. See, six, six weeks ago. Uh, first Big congrats. Thank you. Um, launched our freemium plan and had a baby on the same day. So, you know, so I've scaled it back a little bit, but I probably average one or two a week. So not a crazy number, but a nice amount to just keep turning them out in front of new communities. Got it. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is I heard of ConvertKit through podcasts. I think Pat Flynn was talking about it. Neil was yep. talking about it too. You know, the only reason we haven't switched over it just because uh, switching costs, but I think you, yeah. you guys actually have a service that helps with that, right? Yeah, um, we'll do it for you for free. We'll do it for yeah. anybody for free. <laughs> well, see, that's great. So, so everyone, you should definitely check out ConvertKit because it's free now. But we, yep. yeah, we, we've been using something else. You know, everyone just raves about it. I hear about it everywhere, right? So that's the podcast effect. It's kind of a same, similar billboard effect to, to webinar. So I love the fact that you're doing this. Cool. So two more questions from my side and then we are done. So what is one must-read book that you recommend to the audience? Uh, I would say Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. It's super short. takes like an hour to read. Something that I have everyone on my team read because it's just like a really good think outside the box. The world doesn't have to be the way that people think that it should. It's like a set your own rules and it's just like fun stories as well. Um, So I would start there. Next question is what's your favorite tool to grow your business that's not ConvertKit? Oh, that's a good question. My favorite tool right now, so I'm a designer. That's my whole background. My favorite tool is Figma. It's just the way that it's not just another design tool. It's actually like completely changing the way that we collaborate. You know, the real time, anyone can jump in from their browser, from the desktop app, any of that. And then the infinite canvas where like I just find I have a, not even a product feature, but like a business direction. I'm thinking about the industry or the market or what does this mean? Because like that's ultimately what a feature is in SaaS, right? Is like how it shapes the way the market sees you and, and the way you're positioned and everything. And just with this infinite canvas, I design or throw up a quick wireframe or there's like a plugin where I can go from like a photo that I snapped on my phone straight into the Figma canvas. So I have that kind of thing. And then I've got screenshots dropped in and just having this unlimited space and keep expanding out, I can do anything with it. And then my designers can jump in and you know make my stuff actually look better. Um, and I, I just love it. I'm obsessed with it and it's free. So like product driven growth, it's probably the best. Example. There you go. Yep. All right. And actually I lied. There's one final question. Yeah. Which company or founder are you following right now? I would say Vlad from Webflow. Oh, um, they're, they're doing really well. Oh, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. So there's a bunch, but he in particular comes to mind. Got it. Awesome. Well, Nathan, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? 
Yeah, so I post a decent amount on Twitter when I should be working. So definitely follow me there. And also just NathanBerry.com. My email list is there and I try to write posts about, you know, how we do profit sharing and how we've run the company and company culture and remote work and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so. dude, the profit sharing post is really good. Everyone just go check that out. He writes a lot of good stuff on his blog in general. So Nathan, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.